Jenny Field has almost 20 years experience in communications, specialising in helping organisations go from chaos to calm. She works with organisations to help them understand how to get teams to work together better. a pivotal part of the puzzle and we can do more to increase engagement but tactical execution ain't gonna cut the mustard so how do we as internal communicators become more strategic to feed into those engagement pillars or to feed into the overall business objectives that will increase engagement ultimately It's about understanding what you love doing and what the organisation right. wants you to do and how those two match together. And, and that's really important. But you're, you're right, it, it is about the expectations. And I've always said I'm here to serve the organisation. I'm here to serve the people that, that I'm working with. And if that isn't aligned for you, then you, you have got to start to look at the places where you're going to thrive in terms of what you want to do and what you want internal communications to be. But so often we're a small team so you you can't do everything. So you do have to look at you know three year, five year plans and look at what's actually possible with the resources that you've got. Hello and welcome to Engagement Express, the podcast series for HR engagement and internal communication professionals. My name's Casey Siche and I'm a global internal communications and collaboration consultant has worked with many organisations over the last 20 years to increase engagement and to develop some innovative internal communication strategies. Well, today for episode 49, I'm joined by the wonderful Jenny Field, who's the founder and director of Redefining Communications. Jenny Field has almost 20 years experience in communications, specialising in helping organisations go from chaos to calm. She works with organisations to help them understand how to get teams to work together better and review how operations can work more efficiently. A welcome, Jenny. So thank you so much, Jenny, for being part of Engagement Express podcast. I'm, I'm really delighted to have you on at last. <laughs> I know. Thank you for having me. It's really good to be here. <laughs> thank you so much. And today we're talking about engagement, internal communications, employee experience, and how they get conflated. And for me, I have been talking about this for quite a while on the podcast. I always mention it, I think, in most episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting and really quite confusing for a lot of people, but they are connected and mm -hmm. um, it's a pivotal part of engagement, internal communications. But there are other things that feed into it, like DEI, like um, reward and benefits, like line manager, interactions with employees like you know interactions with leadership leadership visibility etc so what are you, what's your take on it initially so like you it's something I feel like we talk about quite a lot and it, it probably started for me a few years ago when I did some research when I was involved with the Chartered Institute of Public Relations and we did some research with CEOs into the value and impact of internal communication and that's when we realized that internal communicators tend to use 
employee engagement and internal communication quite interchangeably with each other. And that was back in, I think, 2017. So it feels like it's been something that's that's needed a conversation a bit earlier than, than where we are today. But I think what's happened is with various things that have happened in society, with government task forces, with things like that, we've sort of merged the two together and sort of focused more on employee engagement rather than the impact of communication. So for me, engagement is almost an output, one of um, the outputs of good internal communication. They aren't the same. They are different. Um, And I think that the fact that that we've sort of got lost, I think internal communication has almost got a bit lost in employee engagement. And I and I think it's hard for people to understand the difference and pull them apart. Whereas it's almost easy to talk about employee engagement. You know, how engaged are people? How do people feel? How engaged are they? How engaged are they? It's a metric that's used by, you know, some of the big four consultancy firms. It's it's reported on quite a lot. And I think that sort of, you know, contributes to the fact that it's become the measure for internal communication. And I don't think that's fair. Right. Yeah. And I totally agree. So I, I spoke about this in one of my earlier episodes where we talk about who owns engagement. And yeah. typically your leadership will come to internal communications and say, you know, why are our engagement scores so poor? You know, what can you do about it? Please solve the problem or HR. And I I always think that HR probably has the edge Mm -hmm. um, because they are, you know, working with people managers on capability and competence and skills and interactions with daily with employees. And they're also working with tools like reward and benefits and self-service. And so I think they have more of an opportunity, should we say, to influence the employee experience and the overall engagement than perhaps internal comms does. But Like you say, it is a pivotal part of the puzzle and we can do more to increase engagement, but tactical execution ain't going to cut the mustard. So how do we, as internal communicators, become more strategic to feed into those engagement pillars or to feed into the overall business objectives that will increase engagement ultimately? So I think when you look at the four pillars of engagement that uh, were sort of developed, I think back in 2012 by McLeod and Clark, one of those is strategic narrative. And in my experience, I've worked in organisations where we've had a really strong strategic narrative, but we might have had quite low line manager skills or low integrity even, (laughs) but we had a very strong strategic narrative. And actually what you saw with that was people that were, were willing to go the extra mile to stay a bit later, to... To, to do what was what was needed to get get things done. Now that opens a bigger question about how you measure engagement, which I'm not necessarily going to get into. But what was interesting for me was then leaving that organization and going somewhere else where there was no strategic narrative, but there was good employee voice, there was fairly good line manager um, you know, sort of skills in there. But the lack of strategic narrative meant that people were leaving the organization because nobody knew why they were doing what they were doing. So if I think about the role internal communicators play, for me, it's about developing and communicating the strategic narrative. And it's more about ensuring that employees are aligned to that narrative. And as a byproduct of that will be more engaged in the work that they're doing. So that's where I think internal communicators can can play more of a role. Yeah, yeah. And it makes total sense when you look at meter. Clark's and David McLeod's report, you know, Engage for Success, they talk about that a lot. But, you know, what I I always balk at is when you've got leadership who think that internal communications can fix everything from Mm -hmm. a poor culture to, you know, a toxic environment. And it's all about authentic 
internal communications as well. So if you're trying to be something you're not in internal communications, but the reality of your everyday experience as an employee is quite poor, you know, I always wonder how you can mitigate that because you're being told to say one thing, but then when you're there, you're seeing quite another mm. play out every day in behaviours. And, and, and I think that's that's the balance, isn't it? And that also, I think, raises the question that I think every communications function should be asking, which is, what is the purpose of our function? And whenever I'm doing, you know, desk reviews or looking at strategies and, and working with communications teams, I've got to come back to what is the purpose of your function? Because having set up four or five communication functions in my career, they've all been quite different in terms of their purpose. It's very broad communication. Uh, and certainly internal communication is, is equally broad. So you have to really define what it is you're there to do because it will be different you know sometimes for me I've been I have been linked more to engagement other times I've been more linked to efficiencies through digital workplace programs you know, lots of different things you're, you're doing so you have to define what the purpose of your function is to then be able to support that in the right way otherwise you're trying to be everything to everyone and that's really right. difficult to do but I think for me communication is I often talk about it being sort of the the tangible element of culture. It's it's that golden thread that runs through an organization. And I think that it does impact a lot because it's your, you know, it links to your values and everything else. And it does link to culture and all of those things, but it's one piece of a puzzle. It's not the the only thing that's going to be driving some of those things. Yeah, exactly. And it's so true. You often feel like you're the donkey, you know, with so much on your shoulders and intel communicator walking around with this load of, you know, there are problems, there are problems, solve that our just, problems. That just makes me think of Buckaroo, which was a board game I used to play when I was little. It used to load the donkey. <laughs> Until it gave up and bucked. Exactly, yeah. Is, yeah. I think what often internal communicators do, you know, they kind of think, look, you know what, I can't, I can't cope. But, you know, they are a a marginalized group and I, I do I know because I've been there you know you've been there and you're right in saying you know when you were saying just now that you've set up multiple functions um you know as have I in different organizations they're all so different they all have different purposes they're all viewed differently and it's all about managing expectations too isn't it so sometimes you go to an organization and they see you very much as a service provider so you are there to churn out newsletters, to churn out emails, to churn out articles for intranets. And that's as much as they want from you. Thank you very much. Um, when it comes to strategy, when it comes to KPIs, when it comes to engagement, empowerment, enablement, they don't really look to you. They just think that you're there to execute on tactics. And in other organizations, you perhaps are given a bit more leverage, a bit more autonomy and an ability to talk at the, the, the so-called seat at the table, you know, you get that opportunity. Mm. So you're right in saying that it does differ from organisation to organisation. But um, yeah, there is a heavy weight of expectation. Yeah. And I, and also, I think there's something to, to, to sort of say around that being okay. You know, everybody wants to do strategic internal communication. Right. There's some amazing people that are doing great work in sort of content, creative spaces. I remember somebody in my team once saying to me, I never want to do your job. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. want to, you know, I want to write, I want to really engage, uh, you know, the workforce. And I love doing that. And I think that that's brilliant. So it, it's about understanding what you love doing and what the organization right. wants you to do and how those two match together. And, and that's really important. But you're, you're right, it, it is about the expectations. And 
I've always said I'm here to serve the organization. I'm here to serve the people that, that I'm working with. And if that isn't aligned for you, then you've, you have got to start to look at the places where you're going to thrive in terms of what you want to do and what you want internal communications to be. But so often we're a small team, so you you can't do everything. So you do have to look at, you know, three year, five year plans and look at what's actually possible with the resources that you've got. Yeah, so that's a really good point. You know, when we talk about engagement and using internal communications to foster engagement, um, we look at the team that we have and you're right in saying that it's usually tiny. It, you, in my experience, it's normally one one person in some mm. instances. That's not unusual to go into an organization of a decent size yeah. and see one person doing internal communications. And you think, oh, how does that work? And then you've got, you know, marketing and corporate communications with a team of 10. Um, yeah. That's very common. But and often you have to be clever and creative about repurposing content. So you're right in saying that there are people who are good at just do it and want to do just, you know, content creation or writing or video production. And, and that's great. So we have a, you know, a team structure, which I talk about quite a lot, this ideal structure. Mm. It, it, you know, it takes me to different places. I, you know, I can be quite uh, creative about how I look at my team when as a consultant now, when I was in an organization as a full-timer, you know, it, was, it wasn't quite so easy to think outside the box. But now I'm working with different clients. I, I can see what the ideal structure should look like. So you've got, you know, your BPs, your business partners, you've got your designer, you might have your videographer, you might have someone who's writing, um, a manager to manage everyday stuff, perhaps even project management as well as a head mm. of internal communications. There are different ways you can cut it. Um, but yeah, you're right in saying that most organizations have a very small team. And so looking at the overarching plan, seeing what's possible is important. But, you know, I don't see people doing that very often in internal communications. And, I, you know, I've seen people bullied and not bullied in a, in a nasty way. But what I mean by bullied, I mean, is perhaps it's a poor choice of word is cajoled, perhaps. Yeah. Doing agreeing to do stuff, which is which, you know, it's basically not realistic. So you've got your plan. And I love that idea, you know, that you just mentioned, because it took me back to a, a place that I worked where she said, look at the plan and, and see what you can do and, and tell people what you can do, you know, based on what you've got, budget, resources, mm -hmm. etc. So that's really important, isn't it, to actually be bold about saying, I can't do what you expect yeah. me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, and we, we all you know, we all get sucked into that. Like, I don't, I don't think yeah. I know anyone that, that, that hasn't said, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll do, that. do it, and then, yeah. And then you're sort of drowning, you know. And I, yeah. I remember conversations with my boss years ago saying, you know, I'm actually going to, I'm going to work a normal day because I was working sort of seven till seven. It was a global role. So you always end up being a bit more stretched. Yeah. And and I remember going into his office and saying, Look, I'm going to I'm going to finish at four because I get in the office at half seven and I generally start on the train at six anyway. But I'm going to go at four. I'm still contactable, but it means I can have a bit more of a balance. But also the business at the time was doing very well. So I was like, so I need some I need some wiggle room if it doesn't suddenly do very well so that I've got a buffer and a space to go to be able to, to do a bit more. And I think that's really important because and that's what comes back to defining the purpose of your function, because if you're trying to do everything from efficiencies to engagement to alignment and you're a small team, you know, that that's not really possible. And then you're doing yourself a, a real disservice to try and build a team because they're just going to say, well, you've been able to do it for ages, so therefore it's fine. So you've got to think about that long-term 
goal. And you've got to think, you know, 18 months, three years, five years, which at the moment, I think after a pandemic feels quite alien to be thinking long term. I think we, mm. we, we, we had to really think much more short term in the last few years. Mm. But now we're at that time where have 90 day plans. Absolutely. We do 90 day plans in our organization and, and with clients. But you've got to have that sort of, you know, three years, five years outlook of where you want to be. And I know that that feels difficult, but there's lots of ways of, of trying to think, OK, well, if we, that's what we're aiming for, what are the things we need to do to get there? Because if you don't have that, people are going to just keep piling things on you and you're just going to drown. And I, and I see this with some of my clients where I was doing uh, some work with, with someone recently where we're looking at about 15, 16 documents to, to look at their strategy and all those bits that go with it. And I spoke to them and said, you're just, you've just got so much data coming at you from so many different places, which means that you're constantly being pulled in lots of different directions. So let's just, you know, look at the corporate plan, look at the business plan, look at the objectives, let's create a strategy linked to that. And then let's look at what are the right metrics to achieve what we need to achieve. But it, it's kind of pulling, pulling away some of that noise. And I think, that's part of our challenge as internal communicators is the level of stakeholders that are pulling on your time. And, and we do tend to go to whoever shouts loudest because that's unfortunately sort of human nature, really. Right, exactly. And, you know, internal communicators are viewed as this kind of, should we say, mediator or facilitator or coordinator for everything, you know, mm. and anything that goes on in the business. And it's an interesting proposition. I like it. It's a part of my role that I do enjoy, mm. you know, being that connector. Totally, but it does, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of stress. It's a, a lot of um, work and yeah. it's a lot of time. So you need to be able to plan for that. You're right. And you were so correct, you know, earlier when you said, I'm just thinking to back to when you when we first started the interview, you talked about engagement being an output of what an organisation does, you know, be it internal communications, be it HR processes, people manager interactions, etc. But people always see engagement as being something, you know, it's tangible. You know, how can we do it? How can we make it? How can we create it? And it, it is an output. So it's not something in of itself. And it's often conflated with DEI and, for example, yeah. engagement surveys. So I've been working with a few clients who've talked about engagement and all they're talking about, like 100% is the survey. Yeah. And what, what do you think of that? I mean, I th- I mean, I'm not a big fan of a survey at the best of times. I mean, you, you, sometimes you have to do it. But if you're if you're going to do a survey around engagement or internal communication or anything, you've got to have a hypothesis you're trying to prove or disprove. You know, so you so to be collecting data and getting insights just because isn't particularly helpful. And you end up in a really sticky situation trying to communicate things that you're not really sure what you're trying to do. I I think the engagement survey, to quote Chuck, uh, Chuck Goes, who's based in, in America, he said yes, something the other, the other week and he said, uh, employee engagement has been the great distraction for the internal communicator. And I just love it because I think it completely sums up what's happened. You know, we've got sucked into employee engagement surveys when that isn't really... And it, it, I mean, it's to do with us, but it's not massively to do with us. There's so many things that impact that. How engaged I am at work is down to so many things, so many things that aren't even work related, you know, in terms of that engagement, because I'm a whole person, not just Jenny at work, there's, there's your whole life. And, and I think that that's where things have got confused. And, and sometimes we, you know, we make things very simple. And and I like the four enablers from McLeod and Clark that we've got for engagement. Mm. I wonder if, if they're too simple. I think there are different, as I've sort of said already, there's different 
levels of importance, I think, on those four. I don't think they're all of equal weight. And I think right. we've almost oversimplified something that's quite a complex subject mm-hmm. without understanding people properly, without understanding behaviour and all of those things that play into that. So, so I think when you're just looking at a survey, I always come back to, so what? You know, if you're engaged, if you if people are saying 65% of our employees are engaged, engaged in what? What does that mean? What's the outcome that you're looking for? What? How does that help you achieve the objectives of the organisation? You know, those are the questions that you want to be having because having someone engaged just isn't really helpful. And in, in my book, when I was interviewing Benjamin Ellis, who's a data scientist I work with, we talked about the fact that, you know, you can have measures that just don't mean anything. We talk about saying how bacon the organization is or the organization is really bacony like it doesn't mean anything and and for me engagement is almost the same it's like what does that even mean and I I don't think anyone can overly articulate that and that's why we've got to be thinking about what's the objectives of the organization how aligned are people to that to understand why they're doing what they're doing and how well are we doing in achieving that because that's the ultimate measure if you're not achieving the objectives and the strategy of the organization then it, it, then something's not working. So we've got to get underneath that and diagnose the root cause of why that's not working and fix that, not just move the engagement score from 65 to 68%. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, there's so much emphasis placed on it. It's, you know, it becomes this, you know, industry, you know, in yeah. its own right. And it's sort of chugging away like this heavy steam engine. You know, it comes around, you can hear it from six months yeah. before, <laughs> hear it six months afterwards. And, you know, it kind of leaves this trail of destruction, which is around focus groups and workshops and, you know, some of them really good, meaty stuff. But there is too much reliance on one survey. And usually it's it, it will be a typical questionnaire with lots of questions. It will take yeah. about 20 minutes to complete. And there are so much, I think there are better ways to Just find out so, how to a feel. Yeah, so many, so many different ways. And, and it comes back to understanding people. And I think that's where... For my own learning, you know, I've probably spent the last six, seven years reading more about people and understanding the neuroscience and understanding human behavior. Yeah. And that's what it that's what it comes down to. You know, I, if you're in the business of communication, you're in the business of relationships. You know, we we're all in relationships at work and organizations are made up of, of people. There's not really a lot else in there. There's assets and things like right. that. But ultimately, it's people. So if you've got people, you need to, them to work well in in good constructive engaging relationships in order for the organization to achieve so as much as we can get stuck in surveys we have probably been distracted by the surveys when actually spending time understanding human behavior and people and what motivates us and the importance of line manager skills on people's happiness and and all those things that's a much better use of time than getting stuck in employee engagement surveys that are to your point have just become an industry in their own right Right, exactly. And I love the idea of people. You've spoken about that a few times at you know various conferences I've attended where you've spoken. And it's, it's always really interesting to talk about that because you're right in saying that's lost sometimes, isn't it? Organisations are made up of people. Without people, there's very, you know, very little else apart mm. from assets. I mean, it's also about relationships, isn't it? And about collaboration. And that's why I think perhaps internal communicators are so relied upon because they are connectors and they build re- help people to build relationships, connect the dots, work across functions and business units. And it's something I'm really keen you know, to explore more and more about communities within the organisation, ERGs, employee resource groups, which are another great way to do that. But 
as we wrap up the interview, I'm kind of keen to, to delve a bit further into engagement and how it's conflated with in, in, internal communications and engagement surveys. Um, you spoke just now about how we've perhaps been distracted by engagement and engagement surveys. Do you think we need to reset that somehow and maybe go back to deep diving a bit more into employee voice, people manager uh, capabilities and skills, like you just said, help organisations to focus more on those things and less on engagement as a term and certainly engagement surveys? Uh, Yeah, totally. So I think all the research I've done over the years says that line manager skills is one of the biggest things that will impact an organization's success and probably engagement as an output as well. So if we could invest more in helping managers be better communicators, give them the time to actually manage their team and and help them understand what it is to manage people as well as doing tasks and, and doing the work, then that would be a game changer for organizations because there are some basic principles around communication that everybody could learn that would make work a very different place. And that's my whole reason for being <laughs> is to try and help, you know, people understand that and and learn and then, you know, lead in a slightly different way. I think if we could do that, you would see your engagement scores change. And I think that's probably the, the bit to focus on is rather than just looking at the numbers and looking at the data, we have to go deeper than that and understand what's driving that. It's what I always talk about in terms of treating the symptoms and not the root cause. If you're just focused on the numbers, you're not getting underneath what it is. And it will be things like my manager doesn't listen to me. My manager doesn't have the time. Right. It will be those things that are linked to engagement. Yeah. So We've got to focus on those. And those are difficult things because these are people. This is behavior. This takes time. And I think the longer we wait to start to make those changes, the more difficult it's going to be. And what we're seeing now with, you know, the great resignation term that's been coined, which, you know, whether it's a myth or whatever you you believe, it's a term that's known. Part of that, I believe, is because we've ignored some of these signals for a very long time. And people just, their expectations are different now. People want different things. And that's that's the bit for me is we've known about this for quite some time, but we've just ignored it because there's other things we've had to do. And now we have to really focus on managers, communication skills, people, and, and investing in the biggest asset of the organisation. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that, you know, people, managers are, like you say, they're pivotal, but they are so hard yeah. to get at. So I totally understand why organisations yeah. ignore it. It's, <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. It's, yeah, it's it's not isn't, easy it, it, it isn't. It's, it's in the too hard box. And I think, and that's yeah. and that's fine. But there comes a point where you're going to have to get in that box. Like we can't just ignore the things yeah. that are too hard forever because it's, at some point that box is going to explode and, and you need right. to, you know, exactly. sort it out. And data, you know, getting the data is is sometimes difficult to begin with. You know, I often, when I first go into an organisation, the first thing I do is ask for data um, because my, from my perspective, data will set you free. That's one of the episodes, my previous episodes, where I interviewed Kelly Beaver from Ipsos Mori. You know, data is the starting point. So if you ask for how many managers, people managers have you got, have you got, we don't know, then yeah. that's a real flag, a warning flag for me. So you're right, you know, in saying that this population does need a bit more focus. And if you had to choose one thing, Jenny, I know I put you on the spot <laughs> and you kind of alluded to it already, you know, with your focus on people managers and those daily interactions with supervisors and team leads that make the difference in employee experience. What would you say is the, 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 the biggest enabler? 
I've been on the soapbox about people managers, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as just a given for that. One. But I think yeah. if it, I think if I had to pick one, you know, in terms of those enablers, it's got to be the strategic narrative. You know, there there has mm. to be a reason why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and I think if if as a communicator your strategic narrative isn't clear, then that's something that you need to focus on because you're not going to get line managers and people communicating better without understanding why they're doing what they're doing. So the two really go hand in hand for me. Yeah, not not colleague generated content, not employee voice. No, because I think that has to come um, from conversations. It has to come from understanding the why. And I think when it comes to the internal communicator, you've got to have, you know, you've got to have the uh, enablement around two way conversation and employee voice and all those things. But there has to be a strong narrative uh, as kind of the first thing for me. You know, (laughs) got to have that. Then we can then we can kind of work from there. But otherwise, if we're just listening to to everybody and everyone's being able to contribute and say things without there being a a purpose behind that or a reason for that, it just becomes noise and it it becomes, you know, chaotic noise, which I don't think is helpful either. Right. Exactly. There's no golden thread. Exactly. Yeah. To support that. No, well, that's been fascinating. Thank you so much, Jenny, for your time and for your for your input. It's been a really interesting discussion. I could go on for (laughs) talking. for quite a long time but we we must draw the interview to a close so thank you so much for your time Jenny and uh, yeah I look forward to seeing you at the next conference amazing thank you for having me